my deep hole where our goal every time is to ignite life, purpose, and identity within our generation. Turn with you, if you turn with you, if you will, to the book of Matthew, chapter 18. The book of Matthew, chapter 18. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The book of Matthew, chapter 18, this is where the Lord gave me while I was standing there where we're going to start. He says, I want to heal. He says, part of your ministry is healing the brokenhearted. And see, part of the brokenhearted comes from people who've had experiences, uh, whether in church, outside of church, with people who say they are part of the church, aka with church folk. And how many people know all of us have had issues with people who are, have been in the church, at a particular church, whether it's with leadership, whether it's with congregation, regardless of who it is, there have been issues. And for so many people, they have allowed it to be the reason why they don't go to anybody's church today. But the same people who have issue with people in church, if somebody on their job says the exact same thing, that's the does the exact same thing, or doesn't do the exact same thing, they haven't quit their job yet. So is it really the fact that, see, let's, first of all, let's take away the church, title church folk, because there's no such thing. There's people who come to church. There's people who have come, who have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and have become part of the ecclesia, or the, or the government assembly, for the kingdom of, of God, but their church itself is made up of people and people are at all kinds of different levels and people have all kinds of different things that they've either gone through today, they went to in their past experiences. If I base my, my whole Christian walk based off of the people and the situations I've experienced in church, I would have never came back to church. Growing up as a kid, as a pastor's kid, you see all kind of the good, the bad, and the darn right crazy. So if you if that is your definition of what the church is, you will be sadly mistaken because that's not church folk. That's just people. People at all kind of levels. People got all kind of situations and circumstances going on. And see, if you if you really want to define what a church building is, a church building is a hospital. And the church building is a hospital made up of a, a bunch of broken and hurt people who have come to the place where they believe they can get a medicine that will, it is there and it's available to them. And if they take their daily prescription of the gospel, then it will begin to heal the very wounds and hurts that they've already experienced. But please stop saying church hurt because there's no, you might have been hurt by somebody who was in the building, but just because people in the building have made bad decisions or done something, some of them don't even, aren't even aware of it. Doesn't mean the church is broken, just means that that person has an area that they haven't come up in yet. 
Do y'all see that? And what is our response supposed to be? I mean, I ain't gonna hold, I, I'm gonna tell y'all what the word says and I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you an example where you could have been hurt, kind of could have got offended, could have got mad, could have, if I knew some good swear words, I could have used them because I don't know no real good swear words. I mean, Jewin told our family, if he ever says this one word, that's as strong as it goes. And he don't use nothing. That's as strong as he'll ever go. And it ain't even a swear word. It's a word in the Bible. H-E-L-L, hell. That's as strong as I got. I mean, you want something beyond that, I can't now. Some other folks might have had some other words stronger than that, but I don't have anything because I grew up in a household. I never heard anybody cuss. Ever. Never to this day. My I've never heard my mother curse. Ever. No matter what the situation is. So if you're in, I, you should be in Matthew chapter 18. So God says he wants to heal some people today. Because you can't go out the same way you came in. You can't click off the same way you clicked on. You can't push play and then get off walk away the same thing he says i'm going to heal broken hearts today but it's going to take you cooperating matthew chapter 18 verse 21 says this i'm reading out a new american standard bible says this it says then peter came and said to him lord how often shall i shall my brother sin against me and i forgive him that's a good question uh and peter thought he was being generous up to seven times then Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but I say up to you 70 times seven. What? 70 times seven. Lord, you mean 490 times? He says, he says, for this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. Now, Jesus is going to show, give an example. Peter said seven times. Jesus said 490 times. Jesus says this way. He says, let me show you what I mean, what it looks like, or in a way that you could understand it. He said, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents 10,000 talents, which is about 15 years wage, was brought to him. And when he came to him, he, this is what happened. When he, when he, when he, the guy who owed 10,000 talents, our 15 years wages, came in front of the king. This, he says, but since he, talking about the slave, did not have the means to repay his lord, commanded him to be sold. Back in the day, they had debtors prison. If you weren't able to settle your debt, they, they sold you, your family, your dog, everybody. They sold and whatever, and then they put you in a debtor's prison. He, he commanded that that slave be sold, be sold along with his wife and his children and all that he had and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, before the king, said, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion or mercy and released him and forgave him the entire debt. He owed him 15 years wages. 
10,000 denarians. And the guy fell on, the, fell on his face and said, forgive me, forgive me, and, and, and I will pay you all that I owe. And the king had mercy and compassion on him and forgave him. Everybody said that's a good deal? Everybody would agree that's a good deal? I'll say that's a good deal. So the slave, so then when he, you know, <clears throat> after, he, after he forgave him, that same slave, he would have just been forgiven 15 years salary, went out and he found one of his fellow slaves who owed him, it says a hundred denarius, which is about a day's wages. 15 years, one day. And what that slave did is he grabbed, he grabbed the slave who owed him a day's wage and he seized him and began to choke him and say, pay me what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you. But the slave, the first slave, let's call him Bobby. Bobby wouldn't forgive Robbie, who was the second slave. So Bobby, he was unwilling. And he went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves, or other people around him, saw this and what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported it to their Lord, all that had happened. Now, 15 years, one day. See the picture? He says, so when, it's, when they saw that went and they reported it back to the Lord, the Bobby was summoned by the Lord and he said to him, you wicked slave. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Ooh, glory to God. Should you not have also had mercy or compassion on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy and compassion on you? And God is saying that to people all across the nation, all across the body of Christ, all across the airways, everybody's watching, everybody's listening, and even sitting under the sound of my voice. God is saying the same thing to you. God has forgiven you over and over and over and over, and sometimes he's forgiven you over and over about the same thing. And somebody can do something, and not saying that what they did was not, wasn't wrong. God says, should you not do with them the same thing you asked me to do for you? And his Lord was moved with anger and handed Bobby over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed. He could have been free of the debt. Do you know when you pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. What you're saying to God is, I'm not going to hold it to their account. I'm not going to hold it to their charge. 
Lord, I'm going to release them from the charge as you have released me from the charge when I've sinned against you. See, we in the, in the, in the natural, we have different levels of sin. God doesn't. Sin is sin. I, 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 I stole, I murdered, I killed, I, I, I committed adultery, I did all these things. And, and I, Lord, I know I've done all these things, Lord, and I ask you to forgive me, Lord, please forgive me. And he says, I forgive you. Then if Julian comes in the house and she says something I don't like, and I get offended by what it is that she said, but I won't forgive her, that makes me a hypocrite. Because I'm requesting God to do something for me that I won't do for somebody else. We've all missed it. I've missed it. I've missed it in the pulpit. I've missed it out of the pulpit. But you know what? I've, you know what, Father? I, I, I forget. I ask you to forgive me. And if I've done something wrong, I'll acknowledge, hey, I, I, I did it wrong. If I have offended you, I, I apologize. But can I tell you a secret? What was it? Three weeks ago, almost a month ago now, we went on a trip to support somebody. They knew we were coming. We had been in relationship with them for years. And when we got there, they treated us with total disdain. We was at church. So I'm not telling you something that I don't have to practice myself. I've been in a relationship with them. I knew them. I loved them. It didn't change the fact that they missed it. I had a choice. I can get defended. Use my one swear word that I know. Walk out so mad, driving for. Now, mind you, we had gotten up at three o'clock in the morning to be there. I had, a, I had a decision to make. Get into a fence with them. Hurts, doesn't hurt them, hinders me. Or I can make a decision. Not, I didn't make the decision. They, to this day, we've never told them. You know what we did? Julie and I were standing there together. This is what we did. We looked at each other, and this is what we said. Father, we choose to forgive. Regardless of if they ever acknowledge it or not. When Julie and I, we ever have any moments of intense fellowship, which we typically don't have a lot, but if we do have a moment, we've got to do the same thing. Why? Because the people that you can wound the most are usually those who are closest to you. But you know what? I, I'm sorry. I, you know what? I just did a dumb. I just did something stupid, I, and I own it. I don't make excuses for it. You know what? I, I own it. This is what I did. Can I tell you a secret? Her watching me do that with her again and again and again, and hearing me teach it and do it and teach it and do it and teach it and do it when she was in a situation, and she did something she wasn't supposed to do, she heard what she she heard in her ears what she had been hearing coming across the pulpit but more so what she saw 
this is what he does. He misses it, I own it. I own it. So I tell people, hey, I, I missed it. Hey, Jim, I, I, I apologize. Tim, I, I apologize. Rita, I apologize. It don't make you weak to say you're sorry. I'm a brother in Christ before, before I'm ever a pastor, apostle, whatever you want to call me today. That's what the body is supposed to do. And that's what God is asking you to do today. Now, all of us have somebody like, Lord, if I see that joker, I ain't lying. Whew, you better get your boy. because mm, Tyrone going to jump out on him, Lord. You ain't going to have to pay the bail and everything, but we're going to turn that place into a, to a boarding school because we're going to get a lot of people saved up in jail, up in here, up in here. But God's desire is to heal the broken heart. But he told me to tell you this. You have to be willing to lay it down because he won't take it from you. He won't. You got to be willing to lay it down. So here's what we're going to do. You ain't even got to say the person's name out loud. Because you might be sitting next to them, whatever the case may be, and you don't want them to hear you saying, Lord, forgive that mother joker right now. And for some things, it's got to be by faith. When I was a youth pastor, I heard all kind of crazy stuff that happened with, with people that should have never happened. I mean, if I told you, you'd be glad. It just should never have happened. But it did. But God is still a God who, who's still in the healing business. And the reason why he's saying this is because if you go on to read this, that the, the, the Bobby was turned over to the tormentors until he paid all. And he says, and my heavenly father will also do the same with you if you, each of you, does not forgive your brother or your sister. See, when you hold bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment and you won't forgive, it doesn't torment the other person. It torments you. And sometimes we say, I, I have forgiven them. And they're like, no, nah, I don't, because you just say their name, mother flick, and you go off like it just happened. But God says, I'll make an exchange with you today if you'll make it with me, if, you, if you're willing to make the exchange with me. There's a lot of people out here not in anybody's church now because the adversary has convinced them that all churches are alike. And all church people who go to churches are crazy and they and they do crazy stuff and they're gonna hurt your feelings. And you remember that time when Sister Betty said that one thing about your mama and all that, and then you all are in your emotions. I'm telling you, if I friends of mine, I'm in ministry, friends of mine at a church got offended. They tore the joint up and called me everything but a child of God because I did not support their foolishness. Because the, like, but that's not what the word tells us to do. I don't like what they did. I don't even like what they said. But God said to forgive. Then I got a choice to make. 
I can operate in pride and say, I ain't going to do it. I have a right. And God says, okay, well, I have a right, a right to hold your stuff against you too. But I chose not to. So who are you going to, I'm going to say the swear word, yield to? Now, I'm not talking, asking you to yield to nobody. I'm talking about we yield to the Father. Because he says he's here to heal. All that right now. So you stop being tormented. And you get five steps forward. And then ten steps back. And then five steps forward. And just when you think you're on your way. Then that same remembrance. That same issue. That same thing keeps sidetracking you. And sidetracking you. And sidetracking you. Now does, does is it dependent on whether the person ever repents. Or says they, they admit they're wrong. No. Father, this is, how, this is how you do it. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you, and then we're going to do it. Father, I choose of my own free will to forgive whoever their name is. Just say, Lord, Uncle, you and God can hear Father, I ask you to forgive them. I ask you to release them right now, just as I'm releasing them. And I'm asking you to forgive me for holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness, and I release it right now in Jesus' name. Guess what happens? When you release them, you also release you. See, in order for you to make sure they, they stay down and they never get up, you have to stay down there with them. I can't let them up. I can't forgive them because if I forgive them, then they're going to do it again and they're going to hurt me again. And I don't want to be hurt again. So I got to keep it on them. I got to keep it on them. I got to keep it on them. And God says, the only person being hurt by that is you. Because in most cases, the other person don't even know or they don't care. Are you ready? So here we go. Healing is what he says. Healing is going to take place. I like that. Healing does not mean that you won't ever remember it, but this is what you say when it comes pops back up again. Uh, 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 I've already released that. I've already released it. Are y'all ready? Here we go. Say, y'all can repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I make the decision to forgive, so forgive, say who it is, from my heart and not my head. Father, I release them and I ask you to release them and to forgive them right now in Jesus' name. Father, I ask you to forgive me and I thank you for releasing me from all the torment. I receive your forgiveness right now. I receive your healing right now. And as far as the east is from the west, so far is this from me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now see, this is the thing about it. Before you get to the parking lot, 
somebody you know or even that same person might look, say, or do the exact same thing. How many times did Jesus say forgive that individual? 490 times in one day. Which means it's limitless. You want to know why? Because the Father's forgiveness towards you is limitless. There is no limit to his forgiveness. Jesus came and paid the sin debt for all sin, all, but you still have to receive forgiveness. Receive forgiveness. Amen? Was it worth you coming here, comb your hair? I mean, I combed my hair and combed it a little bit too close, but glory to God, hallelujah. Are y'all ready for the word? See, this is the thing about it is, you will always have opportunities to get offended but you determine whether you are or not. Offenses is going to come. I'm going to tell you, offenses is going to come. But whether you get offended by it or not, I mean, and that's just one of the things that happened in the last couple of weeks. There's been some other stuff that happened that I thank God I'm saved because I had to check my salvation card because somebody said something, did something, and I... Gosh, I almost went back to my old zip code, Detroit, right? And the D almost came out. And Tyrone, y'all ain't never seen Tyrone, but Tyrone almost jumped out and we had an awesome prison ministry. But what happened was the love of God rose up in my heart. It's like, forgive. My greatest betrayal in my, that has ever happened in my life that I experienced it today the first thing the father said is forgive my flesh did not want to do it and actually this is what i said are you serious he's like yeah forgive because until you forgive nothing i say to you will get through to you because your heart will become hardened All right, here we go. I'll make this declaration. We're going to jump right in and get as far as we can, and then whatever we can do, hallelujah, glory to God. We'll get it next time in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. It says this according to Isaiah 61 and 1. It says this, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the broken hearted, to proclaim liberty to the captain and open up the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, a day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all who mourn. <laughs> and to appoint unto them the morning Zion, to give up to them beauty for ashes, the, uh, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment, of, uh, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they shall build up the old waste, and they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolation of many generations. Father, we give you glory, honor, and praise, and thank you for this opportunity in your word. We thank you that our preaching and teaching will not be with enticing words of man's wisdom, but a demonstration of spirit and power. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. You're already here. Continue to move up and down each and every aisle. Touch each and every person. Touch them. Hug them. Hold them. Deliver them. Set them free restore them back into right relationship with you. Father, I covenant with you 
that you will confirm your word with signs and wonders following. Father, I covenant with you, glory to God, that your word is being written on their hearts as we speak it today, and that that word will pierce their hearts, Father God, and revelation light will come as a result of it. Father, may you be glorified in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, I'm going to answer this question. Somebody asked, why are we here? Well, I'll tell you real quickly. Ignite is a life-giving church that's committed to sharing the life-giving message of Jesus Christ, that the kingdom of God is at hand and available to whoever wants to partake of it. He came so that you might have life in abundance to the full until it overflows. But I'm going to tell you this. Everything with God begins with his word. Everything with God begins with his word. Even in, in the a part of first in, uh, the gospel of John chapter one, verse one, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Everything with God starts with his word. Why? Because one of the things that the word does is the word washes you and according to john chapter 15 verse number three in the amplified it says you are cleansed and pruned already because of the word which i have given you the teachings i have discussed with you this is jesus talking to his disciples for when you hear the word of god the word one of the things the word does is it begins to wash you what is it washing all that fear, doubt, unbelief, bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, poverty, lack, all that. That's what the word of God goes in and, do and begins to wash all that stuff out of your head. I'm going to wash that stuff right out of your head. And every time you're hearing the word of God preached, the word of God preached is going to go forth and wash all that stuff out of your head. Even in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, talks about this. It talks about the husband. Husbands, husbands, listen up. Love your wives as God, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify or set it apart. What is he going to do with it, Jerry and Tim? That he might cleanse her by washing her of water with the word. So whenever Jewin begins to say stuff and do stuff that, mm-hmm, I'll be like, Lord, she is blessed and highly favored, walking into things that God got the mind of Christ. What do we begin to do? Begin to speak the word over. Begin to speak the word over. Why? Because it begins to wash her. It begins to wash her. Because, you know, everybody has a moment. They have a, a moment of crazy. Some, some people a little bit more often than others, but... Everybody has moments of crazy. So everything with God begins with his word. The word begins to wash you, but the word also does something else. The word of God will locate you. When you hear the word of God preached, when you hear a message on a podcast, that word is going to locate you. You want the word to locate you. It, what does it say in, in Psalms 119? I believe it's 130. It says, the entrance of your word brings forth revelation light to show me the way that I'm supposed to go. 
So when the word goes forth, it's supposed to bring revelation, or illuminate your, your inner man, illuminate your spirit man, illuminate your mind, and shows you the way that you should go. That's in the Amplified Version. But it says this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, about how the word will locate you. It says, for the word, the word that God speaks is alive. This is amplified and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, the soul, and the immortal spirit, and, and the joints and marrows of the deepest parts of our nature. And what does the word do? It says the word got a sharp, quickening, uh, sharpening to it. So piercing the sunny division between the soul and the spirit, the joint and the marrow. So you are a spirit, you possess a soul, it's your mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a physical body. So the, when you read the word of God, when you hear the word of God, it will begin to expose and it sifts and analyzes and judges the very thoughts and purposes of your heart. See, the Bible is the only book that you could read and it will turn around and read you at the same time. It's the only book the Bible is the only book that can read you while you're reading it. It'll locate you. If I read something and it's rubbing me the wrong way, or if I'm hearing somebody preach and it's rubbing me the wrong way, you know the first thing I ask myself, why is this rubbing me the wrong way? But yet I ask the Father, Father, why is this rubbing me the wrong way? And you know what? He's more than willing to tell you. See, the word of God is either going to do one or two things. It's going to make you glad or it's going to make you mad. But if you get mad, you got to ask yourself, why am I mad? I mean, really, why am I mad? I've said in services before, somebody was preaching. I, I was hot. Until I asked the father, why am I mad? Then he told me, because you got unforgiveness in your heart towards them. I thought they lost their anointing. They lost their mojo. They ain't got it no more. I'm going to have to find another church. Guess what happened? <laughs> Guess what happened, though? Guess what happened? When I forgave them, all of a sudden, their anointing came back. It wasn't them. It was me. I was at home this afternoon and I was before the Lord. And this is what he said to me. He says, my sheep hear my voice and follow after me. But a voice of a stranger, they will not follow. He says, when you were young, you hungered after me and came with ears open to hear and eyes open to see and hearts ready to receive my word. But as you have grown older, your love has grown cold and you have replaced your time with me with other things. And now there is not room for you to receive from me. You have become complacent and merely going through the motions and walk out the same way you came in, 
feeling like you didn't get, didn't receive anything, but the issue is with you and how you came prepared to receive. As I've said in times past, when you hear my voice, harden not your hearts, but it hasn't kept you from hardening your hearts, even against the very, the very one I sent to feed you. I said, you would give, I would give you pastors after my own heart who would feed you with knowledge and understanding, but they aren't responsible for making you take what is given. You have a responsibility in that and will be held accountable for what has been given to you. It's not enough to hear the word and not do it because in doing so, you deceive yourselves. So repent and become doers of the word and not hearers only. And you will see that I will give even more insight and revelation Unto thee, says the spirit of grace. So I'm like, and I asked him, I had asked him a question. And this, his response was, and go and share this with, with the body of Christ. I'm not getting anything. I'm not getting anything. I'm not getting anything. And I'm like, Lord. And he's like, this is why. And this is the adjustment. And then... If they do this, and this is what I'll do. I'm like, okay, praise God. Then he says, turn in your Bible. You turn in your Bible to Revelation chapter two. Woo. Somebody was praying. Revelation chapter two. Last week, we were talking about the church of Thyatira. Ooh, that was a heavy one there. And I'm going to tell you something I was sharing with someone earlier. I said, you know, anytime a message comes, the first place I check, I ask God this question. Is, where is this, is, am I, where am I missing it in this area? Because if you're giving it to me, am I doing the very thing that you're saying? Because if so, I need you to show me. And if you show me, I'll make the adjustments right here, right now. Is this for me or is this for for me to share with others. And when he says that, this, this is not, you don't have this going on, but I need you to share this with others because they have this going on. Because remember, the word will locate you. And I'm gonna show you that tonight in my last couple of minutes. Because I'm telling you, if you, if you, don't come with ears to hear. If you don't come with eyes ready to see, if you don't come with a heart expecting to receive something from God, you will get exactly what it is you expected. That's why God says, let's deal with the hurts and healings and all that from the beginning. He says, because you, if you carry that with you, it's going to continue to do more damage to you and you will get further and further out there. Now, second, uh, Revelations chapter, Revelation, not Revelations, but the actual name, title of the book is the Revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not Revelations, it's the book of Revelation and it's the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Are y'all ready? Y'all brought your shouting clothes here because somebody gonna get set free up in this piece up in here, up in here today. Hallelujah. Revelation chapter two, verse number one says this. 
I'm reading out an amplified. To the angel, our messenger, that angel, the person they're talking about is to the pastor. And this particular, if you look it up in the, in the Greek, uh, is here talking about pastor. He, the, the, to the angel, or the messenger of the assembly, of the church in Ephesus, write. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars, which are messengers of the seven churches. So there, he's talking about Jesus is ho who's holding the seven stars. Jesus is holding the messengers, which are pastors in his hand. So you, Jesus is the one who holds pastors in his hand. Jesus is the one who, who the pastors are accountable to before anybody else. I don't know about you. I ain't afraid of you because you can only do so much to me. Jesus has a whole different side he can go with it. Anyway, seven messages of seven churches in his right hand. Who goes about among the seven churches or goes about the seven lamp, golden lampstands, which are the seven churches? So the stars are the, are the pastors and the lampstands he's talking about here are the seven churches. Now, what does it say Jesus is doing? He's going, he's walking in the midst of them. So even at night, he's walking in the midst of us. He's in the room because Jesus is Lord over this house. Jesus is the, chief, is the chief shepherd over this house. Always has been, always will be. And this is what Jesus says. I know your industry or your works and activities, your laborious toil and trouble and your patient endurance and how you cannot tolerate wicked men. And you have tested and critically appraised those who call themselves apostles or special sent ones or somebody who comes in with a fresh revelation and says, now I got the word of the Lord. I got a fresh word. Nobody else got this word. And he said, and you tried them and you found them out to be false or imposters and liars. I know you. In other words, Jesus said, I know you intimately. And that's what he's saying to you tonight. I know you intimately. You are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. And you have not fainted or become exhausted or overgrown or grown weary. So Jesus has all these great things he's saying about Man, you're doing all these great things. Hallelujah. Shout the glory. Woo -hoo! You got all these things going on. And, 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 and people like that part of it. I like that part of it. Who don't like that part of it? Anybody here that don't like getting some praise and admiration? All right. Thank you. If you said you don't, I was going to bring you down to the line and cast a line devil off on you. But... But I have this one charge to make against you, that you have left, abandoned the love that you had at first. You have deserted me, your first love. Pause and think about that. You got all these great things he's saying about you, and you're doing all these wonderful works and everything. He says, but you have, you have abandoned your first love. Anybody remember that first time you was in love? I mean, you know, you had a little puppy love crush and everything. And it, <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> do you like me? Yes, I know. Uh, I mean, you know, just, just to hear that person's voice and everything. <laughs> and then after a while, after you got to know each other a while, after you got to spend time with each other for a while, 
and they call on your phone, it went like, how you doing? You're like, what you want? You still love them, but you're, but the way that you demonstrate that love has, has changed. All righty, let's keep it going. Jesus says this, but you have, you have, he says, this one charge I have against you, you have abandoned, left and abandoned the love that you had at first. You have deserted me, your first love. Remember then from what, how, what height you have fallen. Repent, change their inner man to meet God's will and do the works you did previously when you first knew me, knew the Lord, or else I will visit you and remove your lampstand from his place. What's the lampstand? He removed your church. Unless you change your mind and repent. Yet you have this in your favor and your credit. You hate the works of the Nicola Nicolaitans. What they are doing are corruptors of the people which I myself detest. He who is able to hear, let him hear, listen, and give heed to what the Spirit says to the assemblies, the churches. To him who overcomes is victorious. I will grant to eat of the fruit of the tree of life. Now, when Jesus says, I know your works, he's saying, I see and perceive and behold for myself. In other words, Jesus says, I have personally observed your works. So when you say, don't nobody know what I'm doing. I ain't getting no credit for it. Jesus is here telling you, I know your works. Your works, what are your works? Your activities, your deeds that make you different than other churches around you. Jesus knows it all. He knows that all the, all, that you have, your labors, the hardest and most wearisome kind of labor, toil, fatigue, you are one who gives everything in a project you are committed. So all those things Jesus is saying about, and he says, and you have patience. In other words, you stay or you abide or you remain in one place. You keep position. You stick it out. You refuse to bend, break, or surrender territory. These all the things Jesus saying about you and me as at this particular church. He says, but I have this against you. He says, you have left your first love. If you read that in the original Greek, it says, love, the first love you have left. Meaning when they first um, repent, when you remember when you first got saved, and you, you couldn't wait to tell somebody about your Jesus. I mean, you was chasing people down in the grocery store, family members, the mailman. Yeah, it was just me. If you look at me, you was getting Jesus. You look at me now, you still get Jesus. I mean, so something ain't just. It says, remember when you first got saved for real, for real. Not when you stopped dating God and you really got into a relationship with him. Remember that? And remember how you were so, you had, you would come to Christ. You had so much esteem for him and you was captivated and you was willing to sacrifice everything for him. Any of y'all remember that? When y'all first got saved, he says, you know, that first love, that early love, you know, when you still had that puppy love, well, we tell people 
love is blind, but marriage is an eye opener. Because love, you would love, but boy, whoo -hoo, marriage will open your eyes and and they say, well, love will keep you married. No, marriage will keep, help you keep your love walk going. Hallelujah. He says, now think about when he says love, you left your first love. He says you voluntarily released it, releasing something once held dear to neglect or to ignore or to leave something or somebody. How does that happen? You might ask Jerry, I'm going to tell you. And this is how people left their first love. Remember all the works and laborings and all that he said he gave them credit for doing. This is what happened, Doc. They became so involved in the machinery of ministry, the works of ministry, that they lost the wonder of it all. What they felt when they, when they first came to Christ, the wonder and all that was in their heart, the willingness to sacrifice anything for Jesus, what once was precious has become routine. You remember when, you, when the first church first opened and it was all new and, and y'all was seeing stuff that y'all hadn't seen before and everything. And it, ooh, I'm just, ooh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. It's kind of like Christmas. I can't wait. Ooh, Santa Claus is coming to town. And then you find out Santa Claus don't really exist. And then, you know, you got to deal with that reality. But anyway, you have such great anticipation until you become what's known as familiar. You became familiar. And you got so familiar with coming into the presence of God, so familiar with seeing people heal, so familiar with hearing the word preach, so familiar with seeing my buddies on Sunday morning, so familiar with I do this, this is the way we go to church, go to church, go to church. And that you come in now and it's like, all right, bet. I'm here now, what's up? Nah, I can't wait to get there. You better hurry up. No, Jerry, don't drive fast because, you know, you, yeah. But you better make sure we on time so we can be, be right there when the words start coming and the praise and worship and I can get before God and all that. He says, you lost that because you're so busy. And this is something else I share. And I've shared this before. Don't get so busy doing the works of God that you don't have time for God. And in the last two years, that's what I have seen. And that's what God is saying. And he's saying this over the body of Christ. People have gotten so busy doing the work of the ministry that they are doing the work of God that they don't spend time with God. And said, but I'm doing the work. Yeah, but I brought you together. So like a gas station to tank you up, to fuel you so that you can get back out there and be like a sniper and become targeted in what it is that you do. So what did God says? He says, remember it. He said, your knowledge, you have a lot of, your knowledge has increased, but you have lost your zeal. You have a lot of knowledge. I mean, you walk around like pink and green with all this knowledge. He says, but your zeal for him, you have lost. And Jesus is commanding us to remember uh, what we used to have, what it used to be like, and to repent. That word repent means to change your mind, change your actions, and make a full 180 degree turn and go the other way. 
Because what's happening is the more you are so busy doing the things God, you have fallen. You are still committed to God, but your love for, for Jesus has dwindled down. And you know who could be guilty of this, really guilty of this? Pastors and leaders. I have a rule in my house. Yet whatever I add new, I have to drop something else. So when God is, is, I thank God that he loves us enough to tell us this. Some people get upset. Some people get mad. But the father says it's serious and this is where we're going to stop. Whom the father loves, he chases. Just like a parent who you love your kids, you Chasing them. Chasing them means you, you don't go get a razor strap and beat the bejeebas out of them. Chasing means that you gently guide them in the direction they should go. But how many times, how many people know sometimes you got some hard-headed children? None of y'all got hard-headed children who can be concrete cranial that you have to tell the same thing again and again and again and again and again and again. But how many of y'all keep doing it? Because you want to see the best for that child. So why do you think your heavenly father would be any different with you? God says this in Proverbs chapter three, verse 11. He says this out of the Passion Translation. My child, when the Lord speaks to you, never take his words lightly. And never be upset when he corrects you. For the father's discipline comes only from his passionate love and pleasure for you. Even when it seems like his correction is harsh, it's better than any father on earth gives to his child. Who the father loves, he chastens with his word, not in guilt not in condemnation, not a beat down. So if you ever hear a word and you walk away and you feel, and you feel uh, it's not con condemned, but convicted and it's like, man, wow, Lord, mm, mm. I, I, I didn't like it, but I know I needed it. Any of y'all ever had your parents say that to y'all, I mean, you know, they corrected you and you was like, I didn't like it, but I needed it. Any of y'all ever had one of y'all kids say that to y'all? You, you disciplined them or you gave them correction. They didn't like it, but they needed it. So what, so why are we talking about this today? Because this is what the father said. This was not the message. I had something altogether different. I just asked him a question. And he said, this, and this is where I go this direction. I want you to share this with them tonight. I'm like, okay. There's another piece that he's going to share with us. I believe it's next week. And you're going to see something different. If you come with ears to hear, 
if you come with hearts ready to receive, remember what does one of the one what does the word do? It locates you. It shows you where you at. You might think you here. Oh, God said, Christ said all those great things. Man, I must be here. And he said, no, but you are, you're missing the mark because you have, you got, yeah, you're doing works, but you forgot your first love. Which one you think is more important to him? Anybody want to give? Which one y'all think is more important? Works are the love for Christ first. The love for Christ first. You can do all the works you want. You say, how do you know that? Tim, I'm done. Matthew chapter 7 says this. Many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not cast out devils in our name and did many wonderful works in our name and did this and did that and did this in your name? And Jesus says, he's going to turn to them. And he says, I never knew you. I never knew you. But I did all these works. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Why? They was so busy doing works that they make no time for him at all. And, so, and, and, and yes, sir, he says, and the reason why he says that is because the works you may be doing may not be the works he is requiring you to do the way that you're doing. Them. I don't know about y'all. I did a checkup from the neck up. But I, because again, this was not what I, but I work for him. And he says, this is what I want you to do. And then the healing part was what he said when I was standing over there. This is where I want you to start. Jesus is Lord over this house. So we make the, we make the adjustment. If he says that we have lost our first love, there ain't no condemnation. You just make the adjustment. Father, I repent. I repent of putting works in front of you. I repent of doing all these extra things and, and, and making that more of a high priority than fellowshipping and communing with you. And for that, Father, I ask you to forgive me. It's that simple. And then, now that you have heard it, can I tell you a secret? This is a disclosure. Everything I said to you because you heard it, you are accountable for it. You, you can't, you, but before you came in tonight, you might think, I didn't know that. Well, he already been saying it. You just didn't have ears to hear it. And he says, but I'm saying it to you again. I need you to shift. Because how are you going to teach other people who come in behind you? Or you come across their path about having a relationship with Jesus himself. And you don't demonstrate that in your own life. You can't give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. So, every head bowed, every head closed, nobody walking unless you've been assigned. Father, we thank you. We all we praise you and we, we magnify you. We're gonna make the we're gonna make the adjustment right now, right here, right now. Say this through your heart, dear Heavenly Father. Right now, I repent for, for letting go of my first love. Father, right now, I choose to surrender myself to this word, to submit to your instruction. And Jesus, I make you first place in my life. I authorize you 
to arrest me if I ever get out of balance again. I will never yield my first love again. I will never allow, release it or forget it again. No work is greater than my love for you. I thank you for loving me enough for sharing this with me. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love right now. In Jesus' name, amen. See, no guilt, no condemnation. Didn't have to take you outside when whip you with a cat of nine tails and whip you with 10 penance and any of that good stuff. We don't do all that. Now, if you've never accepted Jesus before as your personal Lord and Savior, you like to, I'll give you an opportunity to do that right now. And it's the simplest thing you could do. It's just as easy as we receive forgiveness, just as easy as we receive correction, just as easy as we got back in right position with God. Just as, you see, when he was talking about the, 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 the forgiveness, he, he was demonstrating how the kingdom of God works. You sow the seed, you reap the harvest. You sow the seed of forgiveness, you reap the harvest of forgiveness. You don't sow the seed of forgiveness, how can you reap a harvest Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. He says, yeah, forgive He says the forgiveness is already available to you, but you have to you have to be in a position to receive it. Says in course, Romans chapter 10, verses 8, 9, and 10, it says this. The word of God is near you. It's in your heart and in your mouth. That's the word of faith which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. But with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Just like you had to confess forgiveness. Just like you had to confess that you repented. Just like you, just the same way in which you receive salvation. And when you receive salvation, you're not only born again spirit-wise, but you are now, you now become a citizen of the kingdom of God. And then you will learn, we'll begin to teach you how to operate. We're teaching you people how to operate in a practical way in the kingdom of God. So say that to me, dear heavenly father, in the name of Jesus, I do believe Jesus Christ is the son of God. I believe he died for me on the cross and carried my sins for me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. I repent of sin. I receive your offer of forgiveness. I receive healing. I receive deliverance. I receive wholeness. I receive protection. Right now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that prayer for the very first time, we want to welcome you, welcome you, welcome you, welcome you to the kingdom, welcome you into the right position in Jesus' name. And what do you do now, man? You got to get in the word-based church that teaches you about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, teaches you about the kingdom of God and how to operate according to the love of God. We believe Ignite is that such a place. And man, we'd love to have you every Saturday at 5 p.m. We'll be here on site preaching the kingdom of God and how to operate according to the love of God. We also, if you're too far away, 
or you work on Saturday nights and you you have you can't catch the broadcast on Saturday, pan tune in on Sunday and you can watch it on YouTube, you can watch it on Facebook. And uh, if you it's easier for you to listen to it while you're riding in your car on your way, walking to class, man, tune in to Ignite the number two life, Ignite to Life uh, audio podcast on Spotify. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, iHeartRadio, all the different places. And you can catch the broad this broadcast and many more after it. And you can share it with the friends, share it with the neighbors, share it with the mailman. And by all means, what, whatever you do, this is the last thing he says to share with you. It's not enough for you just to hear the word. You have to hear it, go home again, hear it again and make a plan on how you're going to apply it to your life. It's not enough just to hear it. You gotta hear it, go home, make a plan on Holy Spirit, show me how to apply this to my life. Cause if you, if you don't make a plan, if you fail to plan, you have planned to fail. You have to make a plan. So on behalf of Minister Jewin and myself the entire night nation, I wanna thank you for joining us tonight. We'll see you next time. God bless you. Bye-bye.